Trey Nitty, Trey Nitty. Hey, welcome to the Hustlers Kickback Podcast, a late night conversation spotlighting entrepreneurship, deep conversation, and culture, featuring lit creators, conversation, and community. Also known as your favorite podcast, favorite podcast, taking on the journey from dreamer to hustler. I'm your host, Christian Lottie. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of conversating with Miss Raven Hayward, who is the founder of the Diversify Her podcast. And really, we just talked about some current issues how we met, et cetera, et cetera. So hope you enjoyed today's interview and here it goes. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Diversify Her. I'm your host, Raven Hayward. And today on our show, I have a fellow Gen Zer, Christian Elahi. Hello, Christian. Thank you for joining me. How are you you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So first off, how did you hear about my podcast? So... Originally, I, as usual, was scrolling on Instagram um, carelessly. And so I'm always trying to look for people who are doing cool things in Atlanta area. And, um, and so a friend of mine, I think she posted you on, your, on her story. And I was like, I saw the podcast. And then I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and follow her because I'm doing the podcast thing. At that point, I was just starting, but. I was like, it would be great to connect with someone who um, is doing the same thing I am. So that's really how I heard about your podcast. Wow. So the power of social media, pretty much. And then going along with that, that's really talking about networking. So with Mm. the importance of networking, especially with our age, we are, as, you know, millennials call it, we're Gen Z, we're the social media Mm. sort of generation. So could you talk to me about how being on social media has just helped you with your networking and the growth of your podcast? Yeah, I think being on social media has helped a lot. I think first off, expanding my range, like I had to go through who I was following and understand and evaluate more so whether they were impacting my life in a good way or they weren't impacting my life at all or impacting my life in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And so once I cut out the things that were either in the middle or in bad, and then started following things that I actually enjoy doing and following people who are actually doing things that I want to do, allowed me to open my, my, um, open my eyes more so as far as social media, because people are there and people are expressing themselves and showing what they're doing, the positivity that they're bringing to the world. And so the biggest thing for me was just opening my eyes and that opened so many doors um, for networking and, and really meeting new people. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point when you were just talking about going through your following because I know a lot of people that I know at least, they have to take like social media cleanses or they feel that it's overtaking them too much. But sometimes in my mind, I think, okay, well, why don't you just unfollow or report those things that you see that aren't making you happy because you know a lot of the time they'll just like shut down social media which is a good thing to do because you do need to you know go out and enjoy life and not always be glued to your phone and just scrolling but you bring up a good point that hey if this isn't bringing me something of value 
if this isn't making me happy, if this is just bringing me negativity, then unfollow it, right? Or just right. remove it off your social media. So could you just tell me about yourself and your journey of how you started your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So really, I've always been, I would call, like, like to call myself a creative, a visionary, all those good things. So I'm always coming up with ideas. I see things, I want to do them. Like I'm all over the place. So mm-hmm. I saw the podcast thing. And I was like, what is this? Like I started looking more into it. And I got really interested. Like I wanted to do something like this or, you know, be in the area. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, my 16th birthday is coming up. So I'm just like, I wanted to promise promise myself I wanted to do something like and I want to stick to it for my 16th birthday like whatever I choose like I'm just going to stick to it and like be consistent with it so podcasting was the thing that just kept coming up for me and so I I just stuck with it and and so um that's that's really just how the podcast came about so on your podcast, what is your main goal or focus centered around it? Yeah, so overall, the podcast is a hub for Black creatives, but the podcast specifically focuses on three main pillars, which are deep conversation, entrepreneurship, and culture. So I think that can, for me, I think, I love to switch things up. I love how, I love to learn new ways to express um, different sides of conversation. So really, I know that's very vague, but um, for example, a conversation with um, a fellow student about the, dress code was was example um because there was a lot of people talking about that as a particular point or race or di- different problems in our current generation that mm-hmm. just naturally come up um and so just talking about those things and be able to reach a common point with peers and and then also just bringing in new sides and uh, as far as networking and learning and so just bringing bringing my followers along the journey of me learning and growing as well as teaching a bit so I think that's been um really fulfilling yeah so really creating those spaces to have open conversations about different topics along with a learning opportunity right Right, right. And that's pretty much what my podcast is too. So I came up mm-hmm. with sort of the idea of my podcast because my junior year, I took a class called AP Research. And with that, we sort of had to write like a 5,000 long paper just about a question that we had. And my particular wow. question was how are women of color affected by corporate America's DNI policies? Because I, I'm interested in business. That's what I plan to major mm-hmm. in when I go to college. And I've done various camps. I did um, like an entrepreneurship camp at Yale. I did a youth about business camp where it was based in Tennessee, but because of the pandemic, it was over Zoom. So I was able to attend. 
And with that, we're meeting with different CEOs and different um, workers who hold a spot in the C-suite of their company. And we met with over 100 executives, but I noticed that the amount of women that I was meeting with was low and the amount of women of color that I was meeting with was low. So that sparked curiosity because I know that there's an amount, a large amount of women that are doing this work, right? That are that right. have corporate America jobs, but they're not exactly getting to the C-suite level. So that sparked my mind, like, hey, what are companies doing about this? Like, are they being equitable? Like, what's going on? So I interviewed with around 17 women and they all had various jobs within corporate America. Some of them um, were like engineers, some of them were bankers, some of them were doctors. And then I also interviewed with some women that used to work in corporate America, but they went on to start their own jobs. So with what I was hearing from interviewing with them was that they felt that they didn't belong. They felt that they weren't necessarily included in their workspace because a lot of the time with this work, companies will just check off a box. They'll say, oh yeah, we hired five people of color. Yep, we're diverse, but mm-hmm. are you really diverse? And then they'll say that they're being equitable, but equity is about fair treatment, access to the same opportunity for all people. And it's about meeting people where they are because you can give everyone the same thing, but this person may not need what you just gave them. And this person may need more than what you just gave them. And then with inclusion, it's the matter of having people feel included and not just like they're there, but the fact that they need to have, I mean, a seat at the table (laughs) and feeling like their ideas are heard and welcome. So with my podcast, that's pretty much what I'm discussing and just about the importance of talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, because we are young adults that are about to enter into the workplace. And especially now, like we were talking about how social media is such um, like a big platform for us to really express our ideas. You know, now we have um, cancel culture, right? Mm -hmm. And we have these businesses that are being canceled. We have these people that are being canceled. But really what cancel culture is, is people trying to hold others accountable. Because, you know, you can say one thing, but if someone notices that you're not really following through with what you just said, they're gonna, they're gonna attack you. Because that's just what our, I feel that that's what our generation does. We really are about holding people accountable. We're saying, if you're gonna do something, you should follow through with it. If you claim to be equitable, we need to see all the ways that you're being equitable. And I feel that we really saw that with 2020 that summer with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I feel that that's really when our generation really spoke out and really just expressed how tired we were of, you know, not being heard, not feeling like what kept happening over and over again was going to change. So I I feel like that was the turning point of us realizing we need to do more rather than just sit and complain, but we actually need to go out and be creatives, like you said, and actually Mm -hmm. be able to have these uncomfortable conversations because unless we do, nothing's really going to change. All right. I agree. I think um, 
your purpose of the purpose of your podcast is really powerful. Um, I think it sheds light in an area that hasn't been shed before. And so um, I think through curiosity and continue to search through curiosity and, and continuing to search for answers and having these difficult conversations sometimes. Um, I think, I think um, eventually like you, you can create a movement, a community behind this. And so I'm so excited to see where you're going to go with this. Thanks. I think you're yeah, absolutely. I think your point with um, the, the summer of 2020 is, is really, um, is really spot on because I feel like things being these things that have been happening for a while like they're not always been caught on tape and so we don't know how many like how many situations like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor that have gone um, under the rug but I feel like people in general expected um that, that summer 2020 to kind of be like a quick uproar on social media. People are just like angry, but no one's actually taking action. Kind of sort of how things previous have played out. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there haven't been impactful, you know, protests and, and all these things, but I'm saying just on the large scale that it happened in that summer 2020, um, was really um, impactful and I think it shifted a lot of people's mindset as to the importance of it because a lot of times um, people who aren't directly affected by these things can can just see it and they'll they'll acknowledge it like oh that's Mm -hmm. sad this this and that Mm -hmm. and they might rarely they might um, go out and protest and support but on the large scale that it happened, it, it had everybody tuned in from all across the world. And so I think really um, this new generation is, is bound to impact in ways that haven't been impacted before. I think there's always a change in generation like over the years, like from your parents to us, from their parents to them, like there's there's changes in, in how we interact with the world and how we think. And so um, I think overall, this new generation or Gen Z as people call it, um, I think will we'll make more impact. Um, and hopefully that impact is sustained through the next generation. And so they continue to um, pass the torch on and down and down. So um, right. I think and that's I- really impactful. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that we also, you know, our country was kind of put on hold, you know, with the pandemic, no one could really do anything, right? Some people had lost their jobs. So I think that just the country itself was kind of feeling broken, right? And then we had people going back and forth, whether they should wear a mask or not, you know, just to protect everyone. It may not be a protecting yourself but it could potentially protect someone else you know so I think just with the state that our country was in and then the fact that we were already frustrated people were already tired being cooped up people were isolated and then seeing that I think that that also played a role in just how you know big the impact was just with us being able 
to really see all that was happening. And like you said, we don't really know if more of these situations have happened. So with you being a young black male, 16 years old, how do you feel um, just in Atlanta, right? You're in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. you're a young black male, 16 years old. How do you feel? If I'm being completely honest, I've met a good amount of police officers. I don't particularly feel safe around them. I've, I've, um, and that might be something that's, that has something to do with the music I'm ingesting or the people I'm interacting with through school on a day-to-day basis. But overall, I don't feel a sense of comfort when police are around me. I feel kind of antsy, like this could go happen, this could happen. And a large part of that is because of the amount of things I've seen, the articles, the videos, the um, pictures after beatings and the, the um, encounters before um, police officers, the encounters with police officers when they were recorded before something went, ha- went, went wrong. And so mm-hmm. overall, I think that has played a large part in overall, I guess you would call it anxiety or just uncomfortable uncomfortability with police officers um but overall I feel like um I have to protect myself as like when I'm out and about like and the big thing that I I'm glad my dad taught me because we had to have these difficult conversations I have older brother and a younger brother um who's nine now so just having that conversation with him Mm -hmm. um and then having conversations with my dad has been really it's been rough but these are conversations that need to be had and so sometimes you have to kind of um not necessarily put your emotions to the side but um realize that there's there's something bigger that that i need to be aware of and so the big thing that my dad taught me especially was just don't put yourself in situations that this could happen so a lot of times um things happen because something minor happened. Like mm-hmm. um, he thought he was stealing this. He thought, so my dad, his biggest thing, we don't even make it a question. If, if, it, if you stop at a stoplight, stop completely. Don't make it a question. If you're on a highway, don't go five miles over the speed limit. Like make sure that there's no way that if anything goes down, there's no way that anyone can say that you did this, this or that or he ran, or he did this, or he grabbed something. So um, that was the biggest thing. And then just him telling me, make sure you, whatever, like, so I'm driving now, I got my driver's license. So he was just, his biggest thing was like, when you're out and about, like, um, make sure you you come back home. Like, if anything happens, if someone puts your hands on you, like, if someone in power puts your hands on you, like, just make sure you make it back home. We can fight that in court or whatever the case may be. But Mm-hmm. But overall, I'm feeling just, I'm feeling like I'm protect, I have to protect myself, but that's just the way of, the way I have to move, the way of life I have to, to live. And I feel like if that, if that overall brings me safety, I think the price is worth it. Just taking the little precautions, but um, it shouldn't be this way, but you know, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about survival. I want to, you know, I want to come home. I want to 
listening to music again. Like, so the basic yeah. things of life. Um, and so that I think that's overall how I'm feeling. I hope I, I answer the questions. Yeah, um, it's, it's just the fact of, right. like your dad said, being aware and really, you know, seeing it for what it is. Because I don't believe mm-hmm. all cops are bad cops. I mm. just feel that from what the media has seen, they're portrayed yeah. that way. But I don't believe that all cops are bad cops. And yeah. unfortunately, the cops that we do see, they do make cops look really bad. Because yeah. I do understand that they're trying to do their job and they also want to go back to their families. But there's mm-hmm. a right way of handling things and there's not a right way of handling things. Right, right. And I think also just with the way that the Black community and I feel that other communities of color have been trained to sort of to see cops as you know scary or like see them as the enemy because if you think about it really cops well the first cops were known as slave catchers right Mm -hmm. because they had to go out and catch the slaves so from the black community you're sort of looking at cops like oh they're trying to catch me they're trying to lock me up because if you look at most of the people that are in jail it's black males right that's what Mm -hmm. it's mainly full of and then also with just looking at other communities it's just the way that the media is portraying the cops I don't feel that anyone really feels safe around them no matter your race or ethnicity I feel that we always some people always have just a little bit of antsiness or anxiety just when being Mm -hmm. around a cop because you never know what could happen and with that I feel that sometimes we just really have to take a step back and just look at it for what it is like yes these cops are here to protect our community do we feel that they're protecting our community sometimes yes sometimes no because I really don't know what way the community could feel that the cops are really there for them you know like just thinking about it I don't really know yeah I think I think um I think on a large scale I don't know if it's possible I could Mm -hmm. see a community of people where uh say a city or a local county or government um uh, yeah local government puts money aside for cops to go out and do community uh stay with the community or build a garden or whatever the case may be build a community center mm-hmm. in that particular community I feel like that for that in that circumstance I feel like that can bring um a, a sense of more comfort with police around that might not be ultimate comfort because you know people have their own stories and things that they think and heard but I feel like overall if I feel like overall um that police can establish a better relationship with black communities and communities of color just by simply interacting with them in a positive way I think um so that I think that's the only thing that comes to mind as far as how we can start to change tides and really um, 
and really uh, assist, I guess, mm -hmm. the reputation of police officers. Um, and so I, that was the, just the first thing that popped into my head. So. All right. And I think, you know, just us having this conversation ourselves, I feel that that holds a lot of power too, just because we yeah. are able to, you know, have this mature dialect and really just assess mm -hmm. how we've been feeling, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that's a really good start. And with us both being, you know, Black creatives, as you call mm -hmm. it, and us just really having platforms where we're, at, where we're able to express ourselves and just mm -hmm. really talk it out with each other. So yeah. a signature question that I have on my podcast, usually when I'm conversing with adults, is what's mm -hmm. one piece of advice you would give Gen Z listeners to go out and diversify themselves? But I feel like this is also a good question for you because you mm -hmm. are, you know, following through with your vision and your goals that you want to accomplish and you're sticking to what you said that you would from your 16th birthday. So mm -hmm. what is one piece of advice that you would give the listeners or a fellow Gen Zer like yourself to go out to diversify themselves to be the best version of themselves? Yeah, I think that's a really impactful question. Um, I first want to piggyback off of your answer to the previous question. Uh, I think I want to tap on this real quick, but um, with social media, I feel like everybody is is an influencer. Like whether you have ten followers or two thousand followers, if someone sees you, your 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 post, uh, you impacted them subconsciously or consciously. So you have that opportunity, and I think that also plays a role into my answer to this question. Um, what people can, what Gen Z can do more so to diversify themselves. So I think a big thing is realizing that they are they are influencers in their own right. Um, as long as you, as long as someone sees you or sees what you post, you influence them in a way. Um, they, you cause them to think, you cause them to read, or you cause them to assess something differently. So I think that's. A, a good um, understanding to, to really start off with. The other thing I would say is overall seek more. I feel like we get caught up in the, the rush of life. Um, so might might think of it as like a traffic jam or you just constantly going, 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 going. You got school, you got whatever else you're doing. Um, might have things going on at home. So you have, might have different interests you're interested in. So. I feel like we always get caught up in, in the rhythm of life, especially because of um, COVID has slowed down a bit. Um, people are getting, a lot of people have gotten vaccinated. So I feel like people have not necessarily forgot about the pandemic, but it's been more so, um, it's been, it's been less uh, prominent more so. Um, and so really, I feel like now that people are getting in the rhythm of life, I think we forgot the biggest lesson that quarantine taught us in the first place of just being able to sit back and relax and look look out like um, onto your life. And so I think, to, I'm sorry for being around the bush, but um, the, uh, the biggest thing that I think is just seeking more, going out, try something new, go play tennis, go, 
um, read a book, go join a art class at your local um, center or whatever the case may be. Go, you know, play something, play a new game on your phone, just think new, try to break that cycle of, of the constant rhythm of just always being busy, work, home, school, sleep, like that constant um, schedule. I feel like when, when Gen Z can figure out how to just break that um, mm -hmm. and just try things new, I think is when we you've all reached a level of creativity. And, and so I think that's what's really gonna come next as far as how jobs are gonna be in the future because things are getting auto automated. So I think the biggest thing um, for Gen Z to do is just seek new things, learn a new language, go to CPR class, wherever the case may be, just seek more out of life. And so I think that's my answer to uh, what Gen Z can do to diversify, diversify themselves. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for that. And I really like that. Just go out and try something new, you know, like mm -hmm. just don't be afraid to go out and do what makes you happy. And I really like how you said mm -hmm. everyone is an influencer in their own way because they really are like whether, mm -hmm. like you said, 10 followers or 2000 followers you're making an impact, whether it's big or small. So with that, right. you want to make sure that you're making positive impacts too. And you're not posting exactly. like profanity or posting anything that, you know, mm -hmm. could potentially upset someone. Cause you mm -hmm. know, there's that acronym think like, is this helpful? Yeah. Is this going to make, you know, a positive impact? Cause that's mm -hmm. what I think of, you know, before making a post, I always think of okay, are there any potential consequences to what I'm about to post? Because now I'm applying for college and applying for scholarships. Mm -hmm. So you almost want to think of that on a bigger scale. And, you know, mm -hmm. whatever you post, it's out in the web forever. Whether you think like, right. oh, it's a snap, it'll go away. No, it mm -hmm. is not. It stays in the internet. Yeah. You know, people can screenshot. You never know what's going to happen. So I think mm -hmm. that with that it's really important too that our generation understands just the power that social media can have whether it's right. good or bad just making sure that you're being smart using that mm -hmm. powerful tool so thank you again for coming on today Absolutely. everyone please make sure that you check out christian's podcast i'll have his information in the description below and thank you again and I hope you tune in next time on Diversify Her. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Raven's information will be in the description box below. And be sure to follow the Hustles Kickback on all social media, Twitter and Instagram mainly. And uh, leave a comment. Tell me what you think about the podcast as well as feel free to send a DM if you want to collab in the future.